0: Fancy seeing you here. You know, I've never been entirely certain what that phrase is supposed to denote. Does it mean this gathering here must be fancy because you're present? Or is it simply an expression of surprise at such a random meeting between two friends or acquaintances? Jesus, boy, I was just saying hello.
1: This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 56 for the week of January 26, 2015. I am Nighttime Meeting Bridge, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Morning Vodka, Sarah D. Bunting. This isn't awkward at all. (laughs) Raylan Givens-Taylor, Tara Ariano. Just
2: let me get that inseam one more time.
1: And Hapless Bartender, Nick Reinwell-Jones. One more fatal stab wound and I quit.
2: Um, hello to everyone hello. especially our guest nick reinwald jones
3: hi i'm all alone in a room
2: he's all alone in a room in los me angeles me
3: too <laughs>
2: <laughs> sarah's all alone in a room in new york everyone's all alone and so, we should just say as we're recording this um the blizzard of uh what's it called juno Yes. Winter Storm Juno is bearing down on New York like a shotgun full of snow, so if we lose Sarah, <laughs> God forbid, it's uh, probably weather-related as opposed to just normal time warming. Are you checking
1: out what's outside our window right here? Rainbow. Yeah, hey, rainbow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but Dave decided to be a dick about it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Does he uh, even
4: decide to be a dick about things? <laughs>
2: That's a really good point that we should discuss at length at a future time. But for now, we're here to talk about Justified, which uh, I have been covering for previously.tv for the past couple of seasons. This is, of course, its final season. Um, but since Nick is also a watcher of Justified, we thought we would have him on to join us. So I am
3: indeed a watcher of Justified.
2: How did you? We got the first three episodes and we made them available to. Did you watch episode two?
3: No, I only had time okay. to watch the first one. So. All right,
2: we'll keep it. To, so. We'll keep it to episode one, which is the only one that has aired as of uh, record time. But I will say, Sarah, I know you've been meaning to get around to uh, to getting a hundred percent on board with it. But uh, if this was going to tip the balance in any direction, Sam Elliott shows up in episode two.
4: Well, uh, it's funny that you should mention that because I decided that I will catch up somehow. We'll cycle back. Around. I managed to do this with the wire. You did. It's not easy to do. You did it with um, Downton
2: too, like really fast, as I recall. That's
4: yeah, true. But that I remember that. That was like that too, a yeah. Christmas holiday thing, and mm-hmm. they're just like candy. They are pinko candy. (laughs) we'll
2: get to that Um, that.
4: yeah so I watched the first episode of this season and then I was like well let me just see if it's available streaming anywhere so I can start at the beginning yeah which I did and speaking of going down easy Mm -hmm. um yeah it's, I watched the first four episodes of season one. It's so watchable and fun, and I really like it, and now I have Sam Elliott to look forward to.
2: You so do, and that's, I'm glad that you liked it from the start, because as I recall, the first, it, it takes a while to get going in season one. It doesn't really kind of lock in until around episode nine or ten of season right, one. Right, it was very procedurally in the beginning. For sure, and then it sort of gets into, it's, its kind of more of its arcs with the, the Raylan Boyd stuff. But anyway, let's talk about the season six premiere. Nick, as our guest, why don't you tell us first, what did you think?
3: Um, I like that they're you know kind of stripping it down to basics for the end of the show and kind of getting rid of in various senses the you know characters that don't matter as much <laughs> um <laughs> like Dewey that I'll get to in a minute um but uh yeah, I think um you know last season it definitely was you know not my favorite, and I started to wonder if it was you know if if they had enough steam left to keep going but um you know, focusing on just like Raylan and Boyd and their connection. And then, you know, like what is, they've really humanized Boyd more for the end, which kind of makes it more interesting than if he's just the villain. Yeah. So I like that too. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, I'm, I'm curious if they're going to do anything to try to retroactively pay off the supporting characters that have just been, you know, <laughs> kind of irrelevant the whole time. I and mean, mainly, uh, Tim and, uh, I can't even remember her name because she <laughs> Rachel, so Rachel, Tim and Rachel. Yeah, I mean, it's like they they brought them in in the beginning as like, okay, you know, it's going to be a procedural, and these are the characters that help out. But then, it, oh no, they don't matter at all, <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, so
4: I really like Tim too. So Tim it's is a little sad to hear they're perfectly likable. Tim's but,
2: pretty great, actually. He's got a really cool backstory as a veteran, and a, he was a sniper, right, in the yeah. war. Yeah, and so. they used
3: that a few times, but.
2: Yeah, he he feels already to me like he has he's going to be more central. Like you hardly ever see him and Raylan working together as much as he did in the premiere with them, like tracking down Dewey and Boyd, and they had fun like friend chemistry. I thought in the truck, of, yeah, like, they who, did. Who are we gonna follow? Yeah,
4: I actually made a note about that specifically that I was like, this guy, yeah, like this guy.
2: I think I've tweeted at some point that on any other show, Tim would be the dreamboat. So it's too bad for him that he's. on this I know, show. right. <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm biased and I'm on the record with said bias. There
1: it is. T-L-B. Off with his off pants. With his pants. <laughs> uh Justified this last season kind of reminds me to, to go off what Nick was saying, that um the same sort of thing where alias, they just sort of like decided yeah, yeah. that okay, here's the end date, so now we have we can give ourselves permission to start wrapping it up and sort of have this tunnel vision of, like, these are the characters, we you know, we want their story, so, you know, to converge, and let's get to it. Mm-hmm. And finally, you know, the Boyd-Raylan storyline can, you know, intersect and come to a head. So
2: Yeah, hey. I think a, a, that happens with a lot of shows where the, there's definitely been lots of times when I've been about to bail on a show and then you hear that there's an end date. You're like, yeah. well, I have to see how they winnow this down to actually be good. And I agree that, like, shedding Dewey in the premiere is kind of a... It's, like, a proof of concept of how things are going to be for this season, which I approve of. Yeah, I mean,
1: I understand. Well, I sort
4: of—oh, in- sorry, go ahead. I was just going
1: to say, like, I get it, why they had to dispatch him, and I don't begrudge him that. But I kind of, like, in an alternate universe, I would also enjoy that Dewey somehow bumbles and fumbles his way through <laughs> the whole series alive. <laughs> you know, then- like, that would be a fine ending, too. And, like, you know, there's this little, you know— uh, epilogue you know with Dewey or
2: 2016 better call Dewey that's
1: right yeah yeah. (laughs) anyway
2: Sarah you were you were gonna say
4: well it was funny watching this episode and then going back to the beginning and seeing that he's like the you know in the beginning of Buffy when Giles was getting knocked the fuck out Uh every single episode Dewey is getting his head bounced off of a steering wheel yep like every episode Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a thing also can I ask you a question about art yes it, what happened with him?
2: Oh, Art got shot last season. He was um, Raylan was dating a, a social worker played by Amy Smart. I forget what her character's name was, but he Art went to collect her because they were worried that she was going to be menaced by some of Dewey's cousins, I believe. And then he, in the process of of collecting her to take her to a safe house, got shot.
4: Okay. So he
2: survived, obviously. Uh, Yeah. Given that he has a conversation with Ray. The
4: actor um, is friends with my husband from college. Oh. And uh, so we just saw him, like, they were in a stage reading together last month. Sorry to be a name dropper. But, like, he looked perfectly fine and hale. And so kudos to the makeup department Mm -hmm. because he looked like shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
2: Um, yeah, Art is a pretty great character. Yep. I hope he, I hope that he's not too much sidelined at the end uh, for the these last episodes. You know, they they sort of hinted at it in this early conversation that he's going to be out for a while, convalescing, and maybe never to return. But even if Raylan just has to stop in and check in and have bourbon and <laughs> get some <laughs> some Art wisdom, that'll be enough for me. Uh, but
3: yeah, speaking of Dewey before, I that was definitely one of the things that kind of lost me about last season, because I felt like they kind of, they did the same thing that The Simpsons in later seasons did with like Professor Frank and stuff like that. It was like, <laughs> oh, he's funny in small doses. Won't he be even bigger, better in large doses? And no, he is not. And I, uh,
1: so I, I, they kind of had to correct that mistake, I think, with him.
2: I think so, too. So he, what
1: was, you- he was definitely the most cartoonish character on the show. And I bet that actor is not really super sad about it, because how, how long do you think he has to sit in the makeup chair to get all those tats <laughs> every day?
5: Well, and
4: those tats, too. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. 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 like
1: he can't be too happy with his you know, Google image search. Results. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. his
4: agent is like, you've been offered the lead in Schindler the musical. He's yeah. like, I yeah. will so fucking take it.
1: Not.
2: Yeah, so what do we think of this whole Ava as informant storyline? I I don't like that
1: character. I I mean, I I I just, I mean, she, the the prison thing just ruined. Like that was such a drag.
2: I agree. She she won me over, and then that whole all of her arc in season five, I lost me. I
1: like willful Ava. I don't like defeated, mopey Ava. Just doesn't work for me at all. And I think either they got to get her back on track. She's got to find you know her core. And, and grow a pair again. And perhaps that's something that could happen in the season, you know, like right now she's um, informing on Boyd, but it would be, you know, there's hints that she could flip and then, you know, um, Raylan would lose, you know, that asset. So hopefully that happens because I want to see her return to form. Cause I think prison ruined her.
2: Yeah. Well, well-
4: and also as Tara pointed out in her excellent uh particling of thank you the episode how does boyd not see yeah that something is way off i mean i think he tro- he sort of was like is there anything you'd like to talk about but uh, not in a way that i think indicates that he knows anything's up with her but could she be any more obvious about it
2: yeah, well, I think I the way think the em- the episode closes suggests that he's starting to get suspicious, and we Dave and I watched ahead, so we've watched this Tuesday's episode already, and without giving anything away, there's more payoff to that weird moment of him sitting and watching her sleep like a creeper. So Boyd is usually smarter than anyone gives him credit for and I think Yeah, he always
3: ends here. up knowing whatever's going on.
2: Yeah. And I I I think that this episode the season obviously has to end with a showdown between them, but I honestly at this point don't with him and um obviously him and Ava, but him and and um Raylan. But I don't know how I necessarily want it to end. I mean, Ray, Boyd famously was not supposed to survive the pilot and then he was so amazing. Walton Goggins who plays him was so great that they decided to keep him alive. And I, the Margulies. Yeah, sure. exactly. They Margolized him, but I don't know if like, I, I wonder if that is how it's going to end as well. Like if it's going to be a Walter White ending for him or a, <laughs> or a gets away clean somehow ending i mean i don't or see or a tony
4: soprano ending
2: yeah hmm. that that very well could happen too i feel like they'll probably want to like i can see fx wanting to keep some form of these characters around so they can do like future even if not movie movies like occasional tv movie check-ins or miniseries. Can, or can't something. you see an
1: ending where Raylan givens catches him
2: and lets him go Has him
1: dead to rights but then lets him go lets, sure. lets them go yeah that they make good on their plan to you know Go to wherever it was. Where was it?
2: Costa Rica was Co- one. Yeah, right. One suggestion,
1: and uh, I can see that happening, and I'd be happy with that ending. That seems like it fits all the pieces.
2: I mean, I can I can see a story where they like flip on someone even bigger, and that's how they they weasel out of getting prosecuted right, for all the shit that they've is- done. But like Boyd has killed a lot of people. He would have to really have a big turn for Raylan to forgive that, even given their history. I feel like. Right. What do you think, Nick?
3: Well, also, I think if they shift the focus to, like, that's another issue that I've kind of had with the show, that they have that kind of 24 syndrome, how like, this is the guy in charge of the stuff. No, wait, it's this guy. Right. No, wait, it's this guy. And it's like, <laughs> right. no, you've got to just make a bad guy at a certain point, and, yeah. like, let's just have Boyd be that bad guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, the show sort of had this weird trajectory with the the, the bad guys, where, you know, I think the point of the show was just to tell smaller stories of, you know, law and order and crime. Yes. But then in season two, they had such a dynamic and compelling foil.
2: Oh, in, Sarah, in I'm so happy I for know. you to get to watch it for the first time. I'm jealous well, Yeah, that it you was,
1: get yeah, to so see season two. It was Ma, so good. Yeah, Ma Bennett, right?
2: Yeah. Mags Ma,
1: Bennett. Ma, Mags Mag, Mag Ma, Bennett. Ma, yeah, thank you. Um, was so good and was like a high point for uh, adversaries on the show Yeah, that I at once am sad they never reached that level again. And I don't even think Boyd, you know, really, because, you know, his story sort of goes up and down and ebbs and flows. He doesn't really have the same sort of presence. Mm-hmm. And at once I'm sad about that. But I'm also kind of happy that the show had the presence of mind not to, like, weeds it, where every season it had to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It sort of, like, pulled back a bit and started to... Sh- tell smaller stories again mm-hmm. not that it was a huge story but you could kind of you sense that the trajectory could go crazy right? right and then in season four he's working on some you know federal rico case or something like that
2: right i mean that's but that's very elmore leonardy
1: that's what i mean i like, mean they had the presence of mind to stick to what they were doing yeah. and season two was just sort of like bigger than the rest but not big yes and i was saying the temptation must have been there Because, you know, like a weed started off, like every season she was dealing bigger, badder drugs and getting deeper and deeper into the system. Yes, And it sort of like ruined a lot of what that made that show compelling. And it became farcical after a while that these small players somehow had this big hand, you know, in this giant world of super drugs. Uh, And they didn't do that unjustified. But at the same time, I kind of like really want another villain of that stature, you know?
2: But do we think Garrett Dillahunt could get there? He's pretty awesome.
1: I do like this Dead, Deadwood reunion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, they're great together.
2: Yeah, he's he's amazing. I feel like he's one of the most underrated character actors of our time.
1: Well, he managed to pull off two characters on Deadwood. <laughs> he did. And you don't really think of... You know, that doesn't happen... like. When a character or rather an actor reappears on Law and Order or something like that, it's yeah. you know, Sarah it's would par be for like, the course, yeah, I'd be like, oh, there they are again, they're playing you know almost the same thing, but this one like he played the 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 scum bucket at the start of the series, and he played that creepy um uh, hearse, you know um strong arm, yeah. And uh, totally different characters, oh, both so so good in, in their way. And uh, it's the cheekbones; he's got that death's head. Yeah, there's a thing great. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment in the next episode, which which airs this week.
2: Yep,
1: uh, where he has a discussion with another landowner, and uh, oh yeah, I won't give it away, but no, the landowner no. calls him something, and there's just this great piece of dialogue, and he just delivers it. Great. And it's one of those nice, he's like almost a cheerful villain. You know, they were talking yeah. about that a long time ago yeah. on Extra Hot Great. Yep. Yeah. But you were saying not, he's... He's
2: not quite, not like the mayor from Buffy yeah. or Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec or others. But
1: he, But he has sort of this human element to him where even though he's evil, he easily
3: hurt. He's,
2: he's also polite. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. a Southerner. Yeah. Also in the next episode, Buddy Garrity makes his appearance. So that's awesome. Oh,
3: nice. finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's like the Southern Harry Potter where you're like, well, wait, which of these, how have they not gotten this guy in there yet? Seriously,
2: or Wolf, Wolf Hall. We were watching the, this, uh, the British show Wolf Hall this weekend and, uh, it was like every other actor we were naming the seven things we'd seen them in yeah. for like every other British show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who else did we not talk about from this episode? Have we covered everybody?
1: Uh, I think we have.
2: Mary Steenburgen.
1: Right. And that's a, that's a weird little bit. I'm kind of waiting for her to like do something. Mhm. She just seems to be simmering yeah. since her character was introduced, don't you think?
2: Yes. But I feel like this is she's she's set up to be at least a big bad this season too.
1: Yeah, and I hope she gets to bare her teeth because I think that would be a treat.
2: Nick, give us give like us the, your final word on this uh on this premiere.
1: Here is my final word. Okay.
3: Um did anyone else think it was weird that the uh safe deposit boxes in the bank had convenient like hooks for like <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to like do exactly what Boyd did like yank it off like I, I don't feel like those like conveniently placed little like eyes would be there for uh,
1: <laughs> so much you don't like know about the banking <laughs> system <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've never had a safe deposit box so I wouldn't know but yes
3: well, I feel like they usually flush against the wall instead of like oh this this, this would enable someone to pull it out if they really <laughs> wanted to <laughs> maybe
5: not in Kentucky
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well nothing lasts forever Except this conversation, it (laughs) seems. Jeez.
6: Hi, Libby. Hi, Mom. We just finished watching episode two of season seven of... Face Off! Ooh, the shouting. Yeah. What did you think of today's episode? I thought it was like sort of boring because they didn't do anything new, but I also thought that it was really interesting to see what they were able to make. For example? They made a monkey that sort of looked like a lion Mm -hmm. with its cool fur around the face like a lion would have for a mane. Mm -hmm. And uh, what next? you tell me. Yep. So I think that <laughs> next would be the aliens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which the, aliens did you like best? I like Teen Laura's aliens cuz the forehead shape was sort of cool and I like the color choices. Oh, and the older alien, they made one young and one older. The older one, it was cool because it was like blues and purples on the head, but then it totally changes on the back to greens and yellows and oranges. And you like that? Yeah, it was cool. So who was your very favorite sculpture makeup this week? Um, Whoever did the older alien. And who was your least favorite? Ben. I don't remember who Ben is. Which one did he do? He did the hands. Oh. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't like the hands. Like the part that he did, it didn't come together.
1: The hands were terrible. They were, wrong. she's right. They are really bad.
6: So It just if, didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you were working on a project like Ben was, and you opened it up, and you found that everything was broken, would you try really hard to fix it, or would you leave it and try something different? leave it and try something different so that I don't have to waste my time just taking a bunch of time filling up holes because I also need to do other things too. <laughs> it does seem like on face-off, whenever somebody messes something up and then they try to fix it, that they don't get points for that in the end. Right. They. It just looks bad as it, Wrecked. So what I would do is I would start over. What if you didn't have time to start over? Then maybe I could get a partner to help me fix it. That's a nice idea. (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody who was the winner this week? Team race, but that one person was Logan. Do you remember what he did? Which sculpture? Sorry, makeup? Hmm. Uh-uh, I don't remember. He did. There was one where the the body. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And something else.
0: <laughs> yep, and the nailed head thing,
6: it. it. Put it over the top. Right. <laughs> and who went home? Um, Gregory. I forgot how to say. It. That's my spelling. Gregory. Gregory. And do you remember what he was responsible for? The monkey. Yeah, the monkey that the judges didn't like. I thought that the monkey was fine. I mean, you hated the other monkey. Yeah, it looked like an old woman or like <laughs> an old witch or something. I said Dave
1: exactly said. the same thing when we were watching <laughs> it. Did. So me and you live simpatica
6: It didn't look much like a monkey, but the judges loved it. Why would they love? Well. Maybe it looked like a cool monkey to them, but to me, it just looks like an old woman. If you could land on any of the planets that we saw um, the makeups from today, which planet would you want to land on? The planet that Team Laura's did. I would like to meet them. And the monkey was cool, too. Yeah. Who do you think acts more like a monkey, Tara or Dave Cole? Difficult. Why? Because <laughs> uh, he's a bit more silly mm-hmm. at times. That's a very safe answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for speaking with me this week, Liv. You're Best welcome. Bye. Bye. Uh, Wait. But I think I'm a monkey, too. So I mean, I could... I go crazy sometimes. That's true, you do. <laughs>
2: okay, bye. <laughs> Just a note about her saying Dave Cole. That's we, we told her that was Dave's name since she was a baby, so she still calls him that even though she's...
1: <laughs> yeah.
4: Like Jordan Catalano.
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: Yeah, I I really wanted to see if I could engineer that to uh, make it stick, and it worked. And I think it started off as, uh, for some reason, I signed a present to her the very first year we had Christmas. Mm-hmm. As Dave Cole, because I just wasn't paying attention, and I looked yeah. at it, I thought, you know what? Let's try <laughs> to make this is stick. <laughs> This is my name now. we're gonna we're gonna do this, <laughs> and it carried over to Ellie too, which is her uh, Liz's younger sister, and now she just out of habit because she hears it calls me Dave Cole. Yeah, so. even though she hears, she
2: hears other adults call you just Dave, but yeah. that doesn't matter. That's not what she calls you. Yep. Yep. yep.
7: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, it's time for Bunting vs. Bunting, in which we look at the latest episode of Downton Abbey and the exploits of Sarah Bunting on that show and compare it to the real-life Sarah D. Bunting.
6: Miss Bunting here has opened my eyes to a world of knowledge I knew nothing of.
1: Okay, so two things (laughs) happen. And it's all filthy! (laughs) Two two things happen in this episode, I think, uh, worthy of note. One is uh, Bunting continues to teach... um, Oh, my God. Daisy. Daisy.
2: They've expanded out from maths, and now they're also learning um, history as well. Histories.
1: Histories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then... um, But only revolutions, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Surprisingly, (laughs) Sarah Bunting gets invited again to another Crawley event. Yeah. Uh, she's been to parties, dinners. She just keeps on getting re-invited to these things, even though every time she gets into it with Lord G.
2: And by the way, never by Tom either. It's Mm-mm. always all the bitches around him that are like, sure, totally bring her. And he's well, like, okay. And here's
1: my theory. Are they just really like in it to needle their father <laughs> slash husband? Yeah. Is that really the purpose of all this? Yeah. It can't be because they're just giving your like... Four chances or whatever to. Right. And it's not out of, I think, extreme kindness to Tom. Because, I, th- you know, I think they, that is the reason. You think?
2: That they're, that extreme kindness to Tom? Yes. Yeah. I think they're trying to be nice and show they're not snobs.
1: But at a certain point, you think somebody would just pull Tom aside and say, uh, Yeah, can you just <laughs> like invite her but ask her not to say anything this time?
2: <laughs> well, he tried this time. When he was walking her in, he was like, Remember, I love these people. And yeah, but he was should like, say,
1: Totally. But, but also, I love these people. So you
2: to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought it was implied, but Sarah Bunting, unlike Sarah D. Bunting, can't take a hint, even when it's a pretty direct So explain hint.
1: what happens at the party, please. So
2: at the party, they're having dinner and someone mentions, oh, Isabel brings up how, the, how her lessons with Daisy are going. She says they're fine. Lord G says... There, I think it's fine for her to learn as long as it doesn't, uh, you know, unsettle her, I think is how he puts it. And then Sarah Bunting is like, you don't even know her name, do you? And that's like the, the beginning of the end of this party because uh, then Mary has to jump in and be like, of course he knows her name, Daisy. And Sarah Bunting's like, well, he knows it now. And then he's like, I knew it before, which I'm not so sure. So then he... She rolls her eyes about it, and Lord G makes Carson bring them up, and after that speech that we just heard Daisy say, they leave, and then as soon as she's gone, Lord G is trying to be conciliatory and is like, well, I think it's great, that was a lovely speech, she was certainly nice to you, blah blah And then Sarah Bunting can't leave well enough alone and is like, I still think you just want us serfs in our place from cradle to grave, which is like... Probably true also, but at the same time, save it for the car ride home. Don't say it at dinner. Also, you're eating his food, you jack. Yes. Shut up. Stop showing up if this is what you think of him, you fucking asshole. Like, even Mary is like... Stop having people tweet at me about what a C you are. Get a grip. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The, The most hilarious thing about this season... I'm so sorry, Sarah, other than the segment is li- reading all the comments. because <laughs> Everyone's like refers to her by her full name, Sarah Bunting, every time and how horrible she is, how much they hate her. And after this episode, it's really hard to take her side, like up to a and And she did try early in the season to be like, I, you know, you invited me when Rose invites her over for dinner. Initially, she's like, thinks it's a joke and doesn't want to go. And now she's like, fuck everything. It's just going to show up every time in order to be an asshole about it. And I don't know how this character possibly can come back from this cuz this was pretty bad show. Anyone else? Well,
4: and also isn't the whole point of her so that like isn't Tom supposed to throw her a bone? Isn't that the end game? Uh, I mean, you would think.
1: I so, don't, yeah, they've been
3: building up to that for a long time. I mean,
4: if that's her end game, this is not how you do it. Like, they linger on him, closing his eyes and hoping a trap door would open for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> even true. he is, like, not Connie. right.
2: And again, like I said, he's never the one who invites her. It's always everyone around him. So even he is, like, this is not worth the agenda. Like, stop it. Stop having her over.
4: And you know what's crazy to me, too? Like, Lord G slams his napkin onto the table and storms off. Yeah. And I love that Carson immediately is like, oh, just so good. <laughs> fool <laughs> you <laughs> but then everyone just changes the subject You yep. keep sitting there like no no that's not how that works england <laughs> this well, is why the sun did set on the british empire the rest of you are supposed to storm off or at least go to another room and talk shit
2: about it seriously well i mean it was it was lord g's mother who changes the subject so i guess no one felt like they'd be like no 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 we're not we're not done talking about this other thing that just happened but there were a lot of weird unfinished threads to get off bunting versus bunting for a second that Tom's incredibly ang- or Tony's incredibly angry reaction to Mary trying to dump his ass was just like, yeah. then she comes back and is like, well, it was an unpleasant errand in London, but I'm glad, I'm glad it's over. Like, no, it's, nothing's over. I, he's going to blackmail you into marrying him because you fucked him.
3: Well, and he seemed to be, like, totally on board with that, like, let's just screw around for a little bit and see if we like each other thing. And now he's acting like,
1: oh, no, that was never my plan. Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was totally his plan.
2: Yeah. Anyway.
1: All right. So are we in agreement that Sarah D. Bunting would not do what Sarah <gasps> Bunting did? Wait. <laughs> At least not in front of their faces?
2: Oh, for sure. Absolutely.
1: Is that the takeaway?
2: This is the least Sarah D. Buntingy that Sarah Bunting has ever been. Yeah. In my opinion.
1: And I think Sarah D. Bunting would have... After the first two encounters, say, you know, maybe I'll skip this one.
2: Is that, is <laughs> if, that if not for
1: their sake, for her sake. I mean, why right. would you want to put yourself through that? Yes. I mean, what point could you possibly make that would make you that happy? Right? <laughs> I mean, like, what would be the equivalent of class struggle? Like, what, if you could really string it to somebody, really lay into somebody about a topic, yeah. what would it be, Sarah? What would what we be talking? Baseball? Like, really? Uh... Like what? La- I don't
4: think I would get that mad about it. Right. I, I mean, don't know. Sexism? Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. am I going to go to a dinner party and start screaming at the biggest sexist I know? Like
2: Donald Trump invites you to dinner, Sarah, let's say, <laughs> since you're also covering the Celebrity Apprentice Forest this kay. season.
4: The, okay.
2: <laughs> do With you, you so far. Do you go? Sure. But you don't throw right a jersey. Scene. I mean, <laughs> right. why not? Yeah. yeah, I'll go. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't be... You would just wait till afterwards to tell everybody else how horrible he had been. You wouldn't say it to his face.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. first of all, if I talk to him like that, he's going to fire me from <laughs> Life. dinner. From dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Second of all, he's always bragging about how it's the most luxurious and it's huge. And like, if he's going to roll out the caviar <laughs> mm-hmm. and the expensive champagne, yeah. I want to stay all the way through yeah. to get the good eats because I'm a capitalist. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I I mean, I'd like to talk to the guy and sort of mentally file everything away and or have a GoPro somewhere on my person (laughs) and then rush home and I am about it with you versus having a big fight about it because you're not going to change his mind. Right. Especially if I were trying to get a leg over that's Mm -hmm. not
2: how you do it. Right. Not that you're interested in either of his sons or sons-in-law, but that's beside the point.
4: Well, right. But if I'm there as sort of like, I'm someone's plus one. Yeah. that yes. someone is someone for whom I have eyes.
2: Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. I don't know what her game is. Yeah, I don't get it either. I can I mean, I'm curious to know where the where it goes from here.
1: Okay, it is time for around the dial, and we're going to start with Nick.
3: Okay, so uh, The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmar has just finished its first week on Comedy Central, and uh, I think I am very pleased with how good it's gotten this quickly. Um, I think he's really settled in as a host, and I, I like the aspect of the show that's totally different from Daily Show or Colbert, where it is mostly a panel discussion, and it's a panel discussion that manages to be much more interesting and entertaining and less douchey than Real Time with Bill Maher, which has... I I don't even watch anymore because it's, he he just finds like the most obnoxious people and, and then he's, you know, kind of an asshole himself. So, um, but I, I think, uh, Laurie Wilmore has studied that and improved on it greatly. Um, even from the way they shoot it, which is like several people around a table instead of like three people sitting in a row and always like turning to each other and yelling at each other. So, um, I think, uh, it's, it's funny and it's, uh, the, I like that he's focusing on one topic per episode, kind of like how John Oliver has been doing. And uh, I'm I'm really excited to see more of it.
1: Well, it was a good call. I mean, if that his skill set, it works. Because I always thought that you know, the interviews were always the weakest part of <clears throat> Daily Show mm-hmm. and uh, Colbert Report, especially Colbert Report, I thought. And the one thing I... Like, some of it is a little, like, here's our format and I don't think they've settled into it. Like, I think the Keeping It 100, Keeping It 100, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Like they they need to find a middle ground there where it's a little more natural and a little less sort of shticky.
2: That's the part I actually like the most other than the weak I like the, the weak concept. Tea, well, that's what tea I mean. Yeah. is like, like the, wait, you can drop that anytime. I
1: like the idea that, you know, we're all going to be honest and here's the question and boom, just answer it.
2: Yes, but they need to tighten it up. But
1: they need to tighten it up. Yeah. And also see the ending thing where he gets the question. Like, I like that it's obvious that he's blind to what the question of the day is going to be. But then when he hums and haws and gives a really lame answer, you're like, well, you know, maybe that needs to be tweaked because that didn't really pay off, you know. And um, so... I mean, I, I do like it a lot. I just, it's going to be great in like three or four months.
2: Yeah, I feel like we, uh, I watched the first three this week. And then it, when the fourth came up on the DVR, I was like, maybe I'm going to check back in with this in a couple months. Because I felt like he was, I liked aspects of it, but I felt like he was a bit stiff.
1: Well, you know, when you, when you have a show like that and it's all new and you have it all plotted out, you know, in your mind, there's a way that you think it's going to go. Yeah. And I think what is happening right now is that he's struggling between steering it to what they thought it was going to be and letting it go to what it's going to be. Right. Right. And there's always that weird little – and it's the same for like any show, scripted or not. You know, like the creators come in mm -hmm. and they have a vision and then, you know, new writers come in and everything and things change and ideas pop up and then – you know, it settles into a flow if it's going to be successful.
2: I have to give props to to um, the second episode was all about Bill Cosby and Kathleen Madigan. They were talking about the people that are still coming to Bill Cosby shows when he's on tour, like, in the middle of all of this controversy and accusations and stuff. And, like, what you're supposed to do if you're a person that was a fan of Bill Cosby and you bought these tickets months ago, like, do you still go? Like, whatever. And <laughs> Kathleen Madigan, a stand-up comic, was like, well, if, you know – I buy tickets to go see Stevie Nicks, and sometime between then and when I when the concert is, she eats a baby. Sorry that she <laughs> yeah. ate a baby, but I gotta hear landslide, which I thought was the funniest line of the entire. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was week. awesome. Anyway, that's all I had to say. I wanted to talk about togetherness, which Nick Reinwald Jones uh, <laughs> complained about on Twitter last night. For uh, well, I'll let you tell it, Nick. Go ahead.
3: All right. Well, no. I- I think it's really good, and I think, um, and I especially think it's really good as like an LA show that really gets LA right. So that is why I was particularly annoyed when there's a scene that's supposed to take place in Beverly Hills, but was actually just they took a Beverly Hills sign and stuck it on Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley, <laughs> uh-huh. about uh, half a mile from my house. So I know exactly where it is. <laughs> and um, I, it was like, come on, either either shoot in Beverly Hills or you know don't. But <laughs> was like it the- outside
1: the uh, the Beverly Hills Petco at the end <laughs> of your street? <laughs> <laughs> no, although the the funny thing is,
3: what they should have done is there's there's actually a Rodeo Realty right near there on Ventura, so they that that would have been at least you know a
1: little camouflage,
3: uh, yeah, a little camouflage, but uh, yeah, no. Otherwise, I think it's great, a great show.
2: It is a great show. Um, I'm really, really loving it. I've I've not like 100 percent in the tank for everything that that the Duplasses do. It's produced and written by Mark J Duplass. Mark also stars in it, and the third person that created it with them is Steve Zissis, who stars in it as um, Alex for me a hundred like not a hundred most of the reason to watch the show is amanda p because i love her and i love her performance in this show she plays like one of the more unsettled characters although the joke is that they're all unsettled there's two people who are married and then you know as you watch the show more you realize that just because they're married doesn't mean they've figured everything out shocker um but it's so interesting and great and so much of it is like just rests on looks you know it's like it's not a very plot heavy show but there's really like you you get a sense of how devastating a moment is just based on on tiny reactions from people it's really subtle and smart and it is not on this week because of the super bowl oh, excuse man. me the big game i guess i have Wait. to call it officially oh however i thought that <laughs> um, already
1: happened last week no
2: on Sunday. (laughs) Um, So uh, there won't be a new episode this week which is the perfect time to go back to HBO Go and watch the first three and see what you have missed and then you can tune back in with episode four which will be on February 8th.
1: Okay, two things quickly. Tara already mentioned my first pick which is Wolf Hall which you can currently see if you fly to England and or Mm -hmm. through methods. Yep. It is uh, the um, Cromwell history.
2: It's based on the book by books by um, Hillary Mantel.
1: Yes, and Tara, I had a question for you because yes. it came up in Twitter. Yes, uh, the lead whose name is
2: Mark Rylance. Okay,
1: so what Placed is he?
2: Thomas Cromwell, what? not Oliver Cromwell, the Cromwell you've heard of,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> not the Monty Python, song. not James Cromwell, not James, not James Cromwell, either, alas, no, and not Snackwell, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the early aughts <laughs> diet food everybody's yeah. eating. Um, Okay, so what else has that actor been in that everybody was so surprised that he wasn't chewing scenery <laughs> left and Not right?
2: everybody. Adam Grossworth, our guest of last week, he's he's a stage actor mostly, <laughs> so he's been in a lot of plays in New York where oh, okay. I, I guess he is very scenery-chewy. I've never seen him on stage, I so see. I don't know. Okay. He's He's been in a... He, I think he's from the movie Angels and Insects. That's the only thing I've okay. maybe ever seen him in before this.
1: I really dig in this series. It's uh, There are two episodes in. Um, yeah, the next
2: one doesn't air until next week. In England. It
1: really is a who's that cast. It's great. Just chock full of character actors. Damian My-
2: Lewis plays Henry VIII. Yeah. So that's My- kind of awesome.
1: Mycroft from Sherlock plays one of his skeevy advisor uh, yeah. inner, inner circle guys.
2: Jonathan Price is Cardinal Wolsey.
1: And it's, you know, it's sort of, um, it's like a slow burn, very English Henry, King Henry House of Cards.
2: Totally. Yes. That's a great, except not as campy right it's more straight face yeah it's, more english
1: yeah but it's it, it and it boy does it scratch an itch i didn't know i had and uh i i'm really digging it jonathan price is great in it i really enjoyed his uh cardinal Woolsley and uh uh yeah there's a bunch of really Game of great people it, in it's it too. really you know it's, it's it's all very dark and everything seems cold and it, it's one of the most british looking things uh, you know, I, I've seen it in a while. Really digging it. Wolf Hall. What, what, what's it airing on? Do you know what you BBC
2: network? Two. Okay. And uh, if you're, if you like Adam Grossworth are anti-Mark Rylance because you feel like he's an overactor, he is, he's not in this to me at all. He's yeah. very, he's, he's like the quietest guy in every scene. He is. Including when horrible tragedies befall him, which I won't spoil if you're going to watch it, but... Bad things happened to him in the first episode.
1: And my other one is Better Call Saul, which we've seen the first two episodes here. Um, in On screeners. Ad- yeah, in advance. I would say the premiere, if you were sort of imagining what the premiere would be, you're probably pretty close. <laughs> you know, it's a bit of an origin story. You know, some of the characters that you're familiar with that intersected with uh, Saul Goodman uh, in Breaking Bad appear. And you kind of see sort of a proto-Saul Goodman and sort of what's going to happen to him to make him that person, that persona. And um, the second half of the second, I mean, sorry, the first half of the second episode is really, really great. Um, I don't want to spoil it at all, but it just involves that character doing lawyerly things outside of the courtroom. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a negotiation of sorts. Yeah,
2: it's it's directed by Michelle McLaren who directed some of the best Breaking Bad episodes, mm-hmm. and it feels the most Breaking Bad. E.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm digging it. I mean, it's not going to be as good as Breaking Bad. No, but... and I
2: I tweeted this last night after we watched it, but the, there was a, a review that was going around last week from Esquire, where some person said that it, it was better than Breaking Bad, oh, which really? is insane. No, that's... it's insane. It's, it's a, good. It's a, good a show. very good show. Yeah, but the, you really. I mean, obviously, you have gonna to, be... someone's going to make the comparison, but it's, it's not close. And but it's, it's still very good. it's
1: a different show.
2: It feels more like Fargo to me.
1: Yeah, uh, it has, that's if, fair. I mean, okay, and Breaking, now you've got
2: me. Yeah, Breaking Bad had, like, Fargo-y moments. I think the tone of both of those was similarly, like, you know, hapless comedic moments would careen right into, like, horrible violence and tragedy. And there's some of that in Better Call Saul, too, although in general, it's lighter.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Bob Odenkirk in both of them. And there's
2: things. Bob Odenkirk in both of them and Julianne Emery, who played is also in both of them, weirdly. Yeah. Um she was the widow of the first police chief on in Fargo. Um but uh, yeah, it's really it's good. They're, the the first episode airs on February eighth on AMC and then the it's the second half of that episode is the next night, and that's its normal time slot on Mondays.
1: Do you think the credits we saw are the final credits? Yes. Okay.
2: They're they're, weird. they're very they're it's an interesting style choice. Yeah yeah all right
1: and Sarah bring us home.
2: um
4: much as Badlands is the Terrence Malick movie for people who can't stand Terrence Malick (laughs) restaurant (laughs) startup is the (laughs) Joe Bastianich property for people who can't stand Joe Bastianich he apparently he has quit MasterChef so that's sort of irrelevant but Mm -hmm. uh, restaurant startup is now on episode uh I believe episode three will be airing this week of its second season uh they didn't change much from the first season except that they made the sort of in startup advisor when they're, you know, they get the 7,500 bucks to do their LA pop-up. They changed the advisor lady to uh, Antonia from Top Chef. Mm. Um, She's way more on point and has more relevant experience, I think, than the previous lady whose name I've already forgotten. She had beautiful extensions. That's all I remember. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's still, like, there's still stuff they do that I don't understand and that's sort of pointless but my conclusion and I am not a crackpot is I think they should I think someone should do a like 10 or 12 episode documentary show just following Joe Bastianich opening a restaurant (laughs) because yeah he's pretty good at it just ask him and I think it would be a lot I think it wouldn't call on him to be this like contrived sort of, you know, camera-friendly or friendly-at-all guy. Like, he's so awkward on MasterChef Junior, and Mm -hmm. you're just like, what is the opposite of this? (laughs) Have him do that.
2: Yeah. I like it.
1: Oh, we're done. Okay, that means it is time for the canon, and Nick, you have brought something, and you've brought something a little familiar.
3: I have. Uh, This is uh, season six, episode seven of Gilmore Girls, entitled 21 is the Loneliest Number. Uh, I know I'm going back to the Gilmore Girls wall pretty quickly. It was just two appearances ago that I submitted an episode from season one, which was entitled Rory's Birthday Parties. And uh, this episode is a really great bookend to that episode. uh, So that's kind of why I'm submitting it. Um, And I think just these two episodes side by side are a great microcosm for all the ways that the characters and relationships on the show evolved over the years. Uh, a little backstory before we start. Around the end of season five and beginning of season six, the show dropped two huge major developments on us. One of those developments was long awaited, and that was Lorelei and Luke getting engaged, except it was Lorelai who asked Luke to marry her. Uh, the other huge development was that Roy decided to drop out of Yale and move in with her grandparents, and that was such a huge blow to Lorelai that she and Rory haven't been speaking with each other for the first several episodes of the season. Um, The episode before this one ends with uh, Richard coming to see Lorelai ostensibly to drop off her childhood dollhouse, but really because he wants to share his concerns about Rory at this point. Um, He'd assumed that she would be ready to go back to Yale by now, but she's she's showing no signs of that, and he's really getting worried. Uh, But he thinks he has a plan to convince Rory to get back on track, which he lays out in our first clip.
0: We can fix this. First of all, I can change the terms of Rory's trust fund. Currently, she's set to receive it when she turns 25. But I say we tell her it's contingent on her returning to Yale. Dad. Or we can use the opposite approach if you think it's better. Maybe we offer her a car. Or the down payment on a townhouse. Or I'll buy her the townhouse. Don't you see? If there's something in it for her, maybe we can get her to change her mind.
8: Thank you for the dollhouse,
0: Dad. It's greatly appreciated. I don't believe this. Aren't you listening to me? Uh, no. Lorelei, Rory is turning 21 years old in 10 days. Do you realize that? Yes, Dad, I realize it. She's 21! That's not a child. 21-year-olds need to be working towards something.
8: Rory will figure it out.
0: Oh, please. She's 21. I couldn't tie my shoe at 21.
8: Well, Rory's advanced. She had the shoe thing down at 3.
0: I'm getting a little tired of No, I'm
8: getting a little tired of this conversation. I'm not interested in your plan. I'm not going to bribe my daughter with cars and money, mainly because it wouldn't work. And if you'd ever met Rory, you would know it wouldn't work. Rory can't be bought. And I'm not going to try and buy her. I want Rory to want to go back to school. She used to love to learn and read and study and that was freakish but it was her and she's got to get herself back there but no when rory wants help she will ask for it the minute she does i will fly in faster than the gulf stream i'm sure you're going to offer to buy her next but until then i'm sorry you're on your own
0: impossible girl
8: my native american name i believe
3: uh, and this is essentially the same thing that Lorelei and her parents were arguing about way back in that season one episode. Um, they think that they know what's best for Rory, and they're trying to take control of her away from Lorelei, But they were doing it much more subtly in the first season, and now circumstances are such that they're basically functioning as her parents for the time being. But lo and behold, it turns out that they suck at that, and Lorelei is rightfully pissed off that Richard wants to enlist her in their plan to get her back to Yale. Uh, In the next scene, Lorelai is ranting to Luke about her debate with her father, and then she talks wistfully about this whole plan that she and Rory had for Rory's 21st birthday, which we'll hear in this clip.
8: We're going to go to Atlantic City. We're going to sit at a blackjack table at 11.59, we're going to order martinis and we're going to be playing 21 when she turned 21, and then hopefully we'd win and we'd take our winnings and we'd buy 21 things. And then there was a thing about 21 guys that wouldn't really be appropriate anymore since the engagement, but it was a good plan. She probably doesn't even remember the plan. She remembers the plan. I and mean, it wasn't like we talked about it every day. It was just something we thought
0: of. She remembers the plan.
3: Uh, from there, we cut to Rory in bed, but she's in her childhood bedroom with a fuzzy pink clock, and then Madeleine Albright climbs into bed with her. So, yeah, <laughs> dream sequence. <laughs> And a dream sequence that nicely shows off Gilmore Girls' unique approach to stunt casting. <laughs> um <laughs> yep (laughs) not movie stars uh, political people um anyway this scene is an exact replica of the scene in the season one episode when Lorelai got into bed with Rory in the very early morning to recite her yearly story about Rory's birth and Madeline Albright does that whole speech verbatim all in one take I'd say she pretty much nails it for a non-actor um and which is also kind of great there's absolutely zero screen time devoted to analyzing the dream why was it Madeline Albright what does she represent Blah 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 there's none of that it's just a dream and sometimes dreams are weird
4: AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. LeRoy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and That Must See for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance
3: Now. Um we cut to the pool house, Rory and Logan are making out on the couch, and Emily knocks on the door to tell them that she wants to throw Rory a big 21st birthday bash and invite all Rory's friends, the DAR ladies that Rory's been working with, and so forth. Uh, afterwards, Rory admits to Logan that she's really not into this particular birthday because she knows she won't be celebrating it with Lorelei the way they'd planned. And then she shows that she does remember the plan. She rattles off the exact same scenario that Lorelai described before. Um. The next morning, Emily is talking to Rory excitedly about all the details of planning the birthday party. She's having her taste different cakes and look over invitations, and Rory is very unengaged in all this, but she does snap to attention when Emily asks if they should invite Lorelei, and Rory decides that yes, she would like to invite her. Um... Speaking of Lorelai, she comes home that night and sees Babette and Maury's frighteningly realistic Hollywood Halloween display. Um, <laughs> this episode takes place right before Halloween. <laughs> and she suddenly decides that she wants to have her own Halloween gore fest to scare and delight the kids. And she tells Luke that she wants to involve him, strap him to a gurney, pretend to cut him open and pull sausages out of him, spray him with fake blood and all that. And Luke just shuts that down right away. He's definitely not letting her do any of that to him. Um, we cut to Logan dropping Rory off at Emily and Richard's And they're saying their kissy face goodbye in the car When Richard suddenly knocks on the window and interrupts them He goes back inside and tells Emily what he saw And that leads us into this clip
9: You know, Richard, Rory's growing up mm-hmm. She's turning 21 next week
0: Oh, is that what the flotilla party planners outside our door was about?
9: Logan is certainly a very experienced young man
0: Man of the world, Emily, man of the world
9: You know, Richard, it might be that time uh, What time? She might be getting ready to have relations with that boy.
0: Oh, Emily, please. Have you seen the size of that sports car of his? There's no room to cross your legs, much less anything else.
9: The car is not the only place they're getting affectionate, Richard. I walked in on them the other day in the pool house. They were very cozy on the couch, and they certainly weren't looking for her keys. Do
0: you really think?
9: I really think.
0: Well, we have to do something. she's getting ready to take that step, we have to do something. I couldn't agree more. Tomorrow. Tomorrow.
3: (laughs) I, I totally thought that. Well, on a, on a dirtier version of this show, the the, the follow up to the line about. D- uh, Logan having the giant sports car would be, that boy clearly has no penis. But. Oh,
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say what Richard would say after. There's no room to even cross your legs, never mind anything else.
3: Yeah, well, <clears throat> it's still pretty good. Yes. Um, and uh, the next day, Lorelai gets the invitation to Rory's party, but she thinks it's just more of her parents trying to manipulate her. She has no idea that Rory really wants her there. So she just shrugs it off and she continues to be sad about missing out on Rory's 21st birthday. Um, and then that night... Uh, the, the planning that Emily and Richard were discussing pays off and uh, Rory shows up to a fancy home-cooked dinner with Richard and Emily and finds out that they've also invited their local minister, the Reverend Boatwright. Um, I will say no more about this. Let us just hear the clip.
9: It's amazing. All the wonderful foods in this world, the greatest chefs with the most exotic ingredients, and yet this girl still wants pot roast. Roll, Reverend. Well,
7: thank you. Don't mind if I do.
9: Hmm. I wonder where that salad is. Will you excuse me? <laughs>
0: I'll be right back. You know, Emily (laughs) ordered some of that wonderful Irish butter. You haven't tasted rolls until you've had them with Irish butter. I'll be right back.
9: And then there were two.
7: Your grandparents have told me a lot about you, Rory. Oh, yeah? They're very proud of you, you know.
9: Well, then it's a mutual admiration society.
7: You have a birthday coming up next week? 21st. Must be wonderful being a young woman just turning 21. The world is out there just waiting to be conquered.
5: I guess
7: so. I hear you have a boyfriend. Yes. Ah, young love. It can be so exhilarating, so intense, all those feelings rushing around inside of you. I remember being young and having all those crazy feelings. Oh, yeah? Oh, (laughs) yes. You know, Rory, being a young lady comes with many gifts. Your virtue, for example, is a gift, a precious gift, possibly the most precious gift you possess. Uh Uh-huh. You want to give this gift very carefully. It is a gift you can give to only one man. Once you give it, it's gone you can't re-gift it. If you give it away too soon to the wrong man, then when the right one does come along, you have no gift to give. You'll have to buy him a sweater. Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Think long (laughs) and hard about when and to whom you want to give the ultimate gift you have to give away. Oh. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, indeed.
9: Um, well, (laughs) listen, Reverend, I really appreciate you taking the time out of what I assume is a busy day to come here and talk to me about all of this, <laughs> but um, I'm afraid the uh, the ultimate gift ship has sailed. What? A while ago. It's probably in Fiji by now.
7: Oh. Yeah. Well.
9: So have you seen the 40-year-old virgin? Because you might like it.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um if i'm gonna be honest this scene is really what compelled me to submit this for the canon <laughs> i wish it were a video podcast because alexis Bledel's face acting was so genius here i mean god knows she's not always the most expressive actress but she really kills it this time um and it's also just a great character scene for richard and emily because we see that they're so emotionally useless that they're even willing to outsource the capital t talk <laughs> and also i mean let's be honest they are not the kind of people that are religious like they probably go to church on christmas and easter and yet they have this minister ready to yeah talk to her about sex um And, uh, you know, it's a good illustration of why I think this whole storyline of Rory breaking away from Lorelai and living with her grandparents, even though it was risky, it really paid off because we got to see firsthand what it was like for Lorelai to grow up in that environment and why it would have damaged her so much. And there is really no way other than this to demonstrate that. They tried it once with a flashback episode in season three, and it didn't work at all. And thankfully, they never tried that again. But this really ended up being the perfect way for both the audience and Rory to understand what Lorelai went through. Um, so the next day Rory comes back from one of her many community service volunteer jobs to find that the pool house is stuffed to the gills with party rental equipment and she asks Emily what's going on. Emily tells her that for the next few days Rory will be sleeping upstairs in the room right next to Richard and Emily's. So they've shut down her sexcapades for the time being. Um, and then she checks the invitation list and sees that Lorelei still is not RSVP'd to the party. So she follows up by calling Luke and asking him to relay a message to Lorelei, and that is our next clip. Lukes?
8: Luke, is my mother there? Rory? Rory? Yes, it's Rory. Is my mother there? That's Rory?
0: I'll give her to you.
8: To me? That's Rory for me? No. I just want to know if she's coming to my birthday party.
0: She wants to know if you're coming to her birthday party.
8: What? We're making the chocolate boxes right now, and I need to know if she's coming so I know whether or not to make her one.
0: They're making the chocolate boxes right now, and she needs to know if you're coming so they can make you one.
8: I didn't know I was invited. I sent her an invitation. Where the hell did she think it came from, the invitation fairy?
0: She said she sent you an invitation.
8: I didn't know it was from her. I I didn't know it was from you. Well, it was. Is she coming or not?
0: Are you coming or not?
8: Yes, I'm coming. I I want a chocolate box. She'll be there. Fine. Bye.
0: Rory called. I know. She called and yelled at me.
8: No, she called and yelled at me.
0: Yeah, but I'm the one who had to hear it, and she was loud. And she said, hell. I never heard her say hell. I didn't even know she knew how to say hell. (laughs) She was mad, and she yelled, and she said hell.
8: Yeah, but she called. (laughs)
3: Um, And then after this, there's a quick, sad little scene where both Rory and Lorelei are lying in their beds at 4.03 a.m., which is the exact minute of Rory's birthday, as we established way back in the season one episode. Um... And we cut to the party, and guests are arriving, Emily's running around and wondering where Richard is, and then Rory comes downstairs in her party dress, which is very Emily Gilmore conservative. And Emily shows her the signature cocktail for her party. It's called the Rory, and it is made of champagne, vodka, pineapple juice, and grenadine.
2: Um, even i know I will, that sounds disgusting
3: <laughs> yeah i will say that as a drink that no one over the age of 11 should be drinking probably <laughs> with a handful of pink foil wrapped hershey kisses <laughs> but um i think that luke does a very good job of summing up the disgustingness the disgustingness of the concoction in the next clip
9: i see you have a rory excuse- i see you have a rory sorry excuse me your drink it's called a rory what's the matter luke you don't like your rory oh no it's it's great it's little pink you know well Rory's a girl girls like pink I know I was just saying no one's asking you to wear it it's not a skirt (laughs) I know I just drink the drink (laughs) well nice of you two to come I have some things to check on we'll catch up later excuse me
0: (sighs) it tasted pink she's gone I mean like really tasted really pink like pink pink Ugh.
8: come on let's get something to eat god
0: that's terrible it's like drinking on my little pony (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh,
3: boy. Yeah, so we see Gr- Rory greeting all our guests, uh, Lane, Zach, Paris, and Doyle, and it's a great moment when Zach meets Logan for the first time, and he just says, Oh, so you're, like, rich, huh? <laughs> um, and... Then there's a, a good tidbit with Paris and Doyle where we hear that Paris is taking over the editor-in-chief spot of the Yale Daily News and she says, last year I was sleeping with the editor, and Doyle says, and this year I am. And of course, it's a well-rehearsed bit that they're repeating over and over again throughout the night, perfecting. Um, and then while Rory is talking to them, Lorelai comes over and she and Rory exchange an awkward hello. Um, Lorelai is very clearly happy to see her, but she doesn't really know how to talk to her, and Rory ends up excusing herself quickly to kind of make the rounds. Um A little while later, Lorelai and Luke are outside. Lorelai has a perfect rant about overly sweet cocktails and how they make you sick and give you hangovers. That is very good advice. This, this show knows what it's talking about when it comes to booze. <laughs> I was thinking uh,
2: that was the reason that you submitted this one to the can and All the, all the uh, booze
3: talk. Among, among many reasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely hits all of my buttons. Um, and then two of the old ladies that Rory works with at the DAR come over to introduce themselves, which is our next clip.
8: Vivian Lewis and this is Catherine Thurston Moore. We're friends of Rory's from the DAR. Oh, friends of Rory's. Ugh. Wow, I didn't realize she ran with the bad
6: girls. (laughs) We just wanted to tell you, we love Rory. She introduced us to Buffalo wings and jalapeno poppers. and for that, we will be eternally grateful.
0: What's your D a R? (laughs) I'm going to get a beer. Anyone want anything? I'm good. I'll be back.
3: Uh, and then Luke goes inside, he sees Rory, and he gives her a very sweet present, an heirloom necklace. And then, yet another DAR lady overhears their conversation, and uh, let's hear that clip.
8: Oh, it's fantastic. It's from Luke, my stepfather to thee. Well, you have exquisite taste, Luke. I'm Twinnie Halpern. Twinnie works with me at the DAR.
0: What's the DAR?
8: <laughs>
0: I'm killing with that line tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I'm with you, Luke. I grew up in Massachusetts. I was when I was in fifth grade. I won an essay contest sponsored by the DAR. I still have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> uh, old rich, old rich white ladies. I guess that's about which probably works too. Yeah. Um, what is it?
1: Daughters of the American Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. So it's <laughs> basically if you're speaking, super I
4: super white. white
1: you can
2: get... Oh, Sarah. Oh. I didn't know that.
4: <laughs> yeah. De- descendants of American service people Kind of get jumped in so. Hey you,
1: you want to hear something very troubling now Is that uh, my family are uh, What is it called? United, United Empire, Empire loyalists. loyalists Oh no <laughs> Which is basically the The, D-A-R- know, the of other Southern side of Ontario. that. Yeah well, Slash Britain Well it's the It's made of people that left America Because America was full of DARs Right So uh, right. yeah <laughs> This
2: explains your long simmering So is this the range. Welsh
1: terrorism cell? <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway sorry
3: Nick. and uh yeah so richard still has not come out of his office lorelei goes in to check on him he's sitting there drinking alone doesn't want to talk to anybody because he's too depressed about what's going on with rory although his depression is kind of entertaining as we'll hear in this clip
0: i cleared the path for her to walk away from her goal her life dad she's having sex lorelei she's having sex under my roof i paid forty thousand dollars to redecorate her sex house i bought her her sex mattress her sex box springs i provided everything she needs to waste her life
8: dad rory having sex is not your fault really she was having sex way before the big renovation
0: i feel so much better now sorry <laughs> I, I wasn't trying to i made a terrible terrible mistake my band
3: sex box springs will be playing at the <laughs> echoplex tomorrow night uh come on down 9 p.m um finally uh rory and laurel i do get their minute alone and it's it's civil but it's still awkward um and Lorelei tells her that her drink is disgusting. Rory agrees. <laughs> and they catch up a little just as the ice is starting to melt between them. Rory gets whisked off by her friends for the cake cutting and the singing of happy birthday. And Lorelei just stands in the background, once again feeling like she's completely outside of Rory's world. Um, she asks Luke if they can go home. And then in the car, Luke tries to cheer her up by saying that she can pull Link sausages out of him if she wants, of course, alluding to Lorelei's over the top Halloween idea that he'd shot down before. One of Luke's sweeter moments, I would say. And the end. So, um, yeah, like I said, I think this episode makes a great pairing with that other uh, season one episode, Roy's Birthday Parties. And there's some very conscious references to that episode in this one. And it's a great example of the show's, I guess, for lack of of a better term, institutional memory. It really stayed solid and consistent with the characters over a long period of time. And just like in real life, the problems that existed at the beginning of the series never really got solved in the long run. They just manifested differently. And here we do see the same issues and versions of the same arguments that we saw between Lorelai and her parents in that much earlier episode. except that. Now those same issues are starting to sprout up between Lorelai and Rory, in spite of how hard Lorelai has worked to prevent that from happening. Um, I think season six on the whole is one of the strongest seasons of Gilmore Girls because it really honed in on that whole dynamic. And like I said, it made the big choice of creating a rift between Lorelei and Rory, which we initially would have thought could never happen. But because of going there, the show was able to mine some really potent material, but also without veering into melodrama, which could easily have happened. And I think this particular episode really showcases those strengths, and aside from that, it's also really, really funny and I promise I'm done submitting Gilmore Girls episodes after this one, <laughs> provided that we voted into the canon, so please do that so I
2: can shut up. <laughs> I feel like our DAR member should start us off um,
4: I don't uh, The Canon is always a sort of a tension between like is it a is it a good episode of anything like is it just a good half hour hour of TV, and is it typical of the show that uh, it represents. Uh, so I was hoping to go last because when a show is submitted that I don't like, I'm always hoping to see what other people say about how typical it is. Well, oh, um, can,
2: we can switch then. Um, no, I'll,
4: I don't have that much. Here it comes uh, Sarah
1: Bunting raw. <laughs> yeah,
4: this is. It, it's just not for me. This show and this episode actually was fairly typical of why the Halloween decorations with the neighbors and all that sort of stars, Halloween stuff. <laughs> this is, um, Alexis Liddell at her, like just worse. Like, <laughs> like yeah. I just was not convinced by anything she was saying. Um, I, I kind of wasn't buying, uh, the, that um, Luke and Lorelai are engaged, or even really knew each other before they started shooting. Like, apparently, there was some. Wasn't there some like infamous like they that hated was, each other?
2: That was the rumor. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, supposedly,
3: Scott Patterson is not that great of a guy in real life.
4: Yeah, it it shows, and I' not that great of an
2: actor either.
4: And I was watching part of the episode with my sister-in-law, and she's like, "Where did they shoot this? The grotto? Like, it looks <laughs> like shit." <laughs> um. It was nice to see Edward Herman again, and I found his scenes quite touching because I really felt like he wasn't – other characters or other actors seemed to be a little bit on autopilot with what their characters would be doing, and he was like listening more and
1: was very sincere. He also um, reminds
2: me of your dad in wonderful ways. Yeah, he, yeah,
1: kind he, of. He also has heightened senses because he's the head vampire. <laughs> That's true. Rest, rest in peace, Mr. Herman. That's true.
4: <laughs> and was sort of the villain in Overboard, one of my favorite Poppy Fields movies. <laughs> um, I mean, I chuckled a couple of times, and but it was interesting hearing Nick actually talk about it because, and talking about the institutional memory of the show and the callbacks to the previous episode that I don't remember if it got in or how I voted, but
2: you, I, you voted for it. It did get in and you did vote oh, for it. All
4: right. Well, maybe um, because
2: I was so convincing. Cause I think that time I went first.
4: Yeah. Well, and it's I think last terror. time I was like, this isn't <laughs> for me, but I, I was convinced that this episode, that episode was like typical of the show in a good way. And this just like everything that was like right on the border of twee, the, in yeah. that first episode we considered, is way, way over the line now. For me, Tara, you can convince me otherwise, go.
2: <laughs> Cracks knuckles. Um, I'll try. The, I agree with <laughs> with everything you said, the, especially the, the Luke and Lorelai stuff. It, it must be because the rumors about Scott Patterson not being a very good guy are true because Luke and Lorelai definitely had more chemistry at the start of the series than they did by the end. Um, And this, that was definitely true here. The other weak point of the show always, and Nick alluded to this too, is the non-expressiveness of Alexis Bledel, particularly in romantic scenes, which she is terrible at. She is the worst fake kisser on TV ever like I don't want to ever see her. Uh, she at the top of her head. Mouth. She's so strange. She cramps
1: the top of her head and somebody else's lips. It's very strange.
2: Um, or, and even I, hugging. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she's very physically awkward and and all the stuff, all the comedy stuff. Like Sarah's not wrong. All of that said, the the parts that work for me work so well, and I love the the phrase institutional memory because it's true, and I like the symmetry of like pairing this episode with the last one you submitted because. Again, it foregrounds all of the stuff between our four main characters, uh, Richard and Emily and Rory and Lorelai. And at this crisis point when everyone is not sure how to proceed and the the stuff with Lorelai and Rory, like both clearly wanting to get over this fight and neither of them really knowing how is so powerful to me and like... The phone call was really great, and the moment where they see each other for the first time is pl- played perfectly by both of them. I think where they, you know, there's like relief and happiness and joy and awkwardness and all of that like happening yeah. in seconds. Um, and and also the stuff with Richard finally realizing that he's been wrong about how to approach the Rory problem, not just because of the sex den aspect of all of it, but because. <laughs> He wanted things for her that he knows she also wants. It's like what Lorelai says at the beginning. You know, she always used to love to learn. She she needs to figure that out again. And and Emily not being on the same page as the two of them and they the three of them have a and you know kind of a fight about it where she's she thinks Rory's fine as long as she's not fucking <laughs> like if right. she can continue being in the D A R as far as Emily is concerned because that's like Rory's life co-signing all of Emily's choices whereas, you know, Lorelai and Richard know Rory can't be Emily too. Like, that's not going to be the right decision for her. And that this is her is all of the acting out that she's done is part of a bigger crisis that they don't know how to solve because she's always been so together before. And when Emily ends that fight with you know, we haven't failed until she comes home pregnant, it's like, well, that's it. Like, Ro- yeah. Lorelai's reaction to that is perfect because it's like, that's always... Like, like you said, that's the wound that's underlying this family and is still, you know, 20, literally 21 years later still hasn't been healed. And like, to me, that's the strongest stuff of the show. So even as much as all of that other stuff doesn't work, that works great for me in this submission. And I also didn't hear until you played the clip that they even snuck in a Thurston Moore joke because I missed it when we (laughs) rewatched it the first time, but that one of the DARs. Ladies is named something Thurston Moore is funny. Although I'm sure now that things have ended between him and Kim Gordon, Amy Sherman Palladino wishes she could go back and take it out. Dave. Uh,
1: Sarah, I totally understand uh, your reaction to the tweeness of the show, but I will say that like the show is sort of built on that. So I think if you're sort of, you know, grading on a curve, uh, I would say the points in which the twee is more sweet than saccharine uh work and usually the show doesn't go very saccharine you know what i mean like it's as tara was saying like it it's all rings true for the most part uh, uh, when the mother and the daughter relationship the
2: real family stuff is real to me
1: but here's my problem with this episode where i kind of like it falls apart at its base, which is, I really don't believe the senior Gilmores are going to have this weird, naive Puritan reaction to Rory having sex.
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, I didn't <sighs> buy that either. Yeah. Given, no,
1: are, given yeah, that, that their down. daughter, like, this is the basis for the, the whole... Right, but
2: Rory is like their perfect angel child. I, that that nah, I bought. I, I don't bought buy it.
1: Either. I don't believe they would be so um, hands-off when it came down to it, given how the consequences and their... Uh, disappointment with uh, Lorelai, and when she had Rory, like
4: yeah, I can't, I can't imagine Emily. I mean, the fact that they haven't figured out that she's almost twenty one, and yeah. that horse is so far clear of the barn; it's in another county, like yeah. Rory said. Um, but and- that Emily wouldn't just be like, "No fucking in our house," it, it, you know. Having seen all three
1: episodes of the show
4: in my life, <laughs> I didn't buy that from a character standpoint that she wouldn't just be like, "Yeah, nah."
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, that sets up the fact that you know the Lorelai and, and Rory have to you know figure out their own way to heal, you know, this schism that's between them. But the fact that this whole she's living with them what was the impetus for that? I know you were saying like she wanted she dropped out of Yale, but like what was the actual? Like, so how well, was the reason that she
3: dropped out of Yale is because she was she had this newspaper internship with Logan's father, who was like mm-hmm. the the biggest newspaper magnate in America. And, They're supposed
2: to be the Salzburgers. Their name is Hunsberger. Yeah.
3: And um, and he basically told Rory, "You don't have what it takes to make it in the newspaper business," and that just like crushed all of Rory's dreams so much that she was like, "Maybe I've just." you know maybe just fuck all this and i'm dropping out of yale and when that happened lorelei was like no you need to go back and she went to the grandparents was like we need to talk her into going back and at first they're like yeah yeah we'll help you but then rory goes to them and she's like i need your help because i really need to drop out of yale and then they just cave and let her do it and let her live with them in the pool house while she just you know figures shit out and lorelei can't believe that like both of them would betray her like that, and so she's just kind
1: of me either. Like I don't think that it doesn't seem like it's in their DNA either. I mean, I think like if they're so driven, and you know, the measure of of you know uh, success of one's life is success in in your career. I don't know. There's 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 some points of this episode that seem convenient when it comes to the uh, decisions of uh, the elder Gilmores, which mm-hmm. I kind of don't buy. Um, I do like a lot of parts of this episode. I'm totally with whoever said, like, it doesn't seem like Lorelai and Luke are really know each other, uh, at this point. And it kind of just feels a bit off. Um, you know, if we're comparing these as bookends, I, I, I really like the first part a lot, um, as we said, when it came around, but this one just sort of feels like, you know, like it's a, it's a pop can that's been open for a while and it just feels kind of flat to me. In comparison. So, uh, thumbs up for, for the first half. And, mm, you know, this one is fine, but I wouldn't put it up in the canon.
2: Well, Nick, I tried. <laughs> I, I, I vote yes, but I think I'm alone.
1: And Sarah?
4: Um, here, Paul Anka, Mama's got your broccoli. That was kind of the point at which I, I couldn't. Tara did try. I considered it.
1: Gotta vote no. I'm really sorry. <laughs> Gilmore Girls episode uh, oh. season six episode seven twenty one is a loneliest number. Sorry, you are not inducted into the extra hot great canon. So that means another Gilmore Girls submission is in our future. Bringing the tea leaves.
3: I don't, the I don't leaves think I'm right. going to convince Sarah with the other one I have in mind. So I Wait up. till I'm off for the week.
7: American Global winner. Yup. <laughs> and will not tolerate a
4: loser.
1: Nope. All right, it's time for our winner and losers of the week. Sarah has her winner
4: uh i do serial fans are winners this week because um studio lambert and all three media are teaming with the uh, detective james trainham who if you listen to serial you will remember served as a consultant on that podcast it'll be a real-time crime investigation series uh called true conviction so it's basically like the tv version of serial um this production company is also involved with True Tory, so this could go pear shaped <laughs> in a mm-hmm. fairly serious way. But uh, I, for one, am pretty excited to see what ends up happening.
2: Wow, that is the buntiest bunt nip ever.
4: <laughs> I know, it really is. I'm rolling around in it like it's a patch. <laughs> Tara.
2: Uh, loser of the week is Mike Huckabee, who made the weird decision to go on The Daily Show last Monday and um, shit on Beyonce. I mean, he didn't bring it up, to be fair. Jon Stewart did, but it was off something that was in Mike Huckabee's latest, please take me seriously as a presidential contender book um, where he... Basically called Beyonce a whore, not in so many words, but essentially it was like she's a bad role model and girls should aspire to more. And she's so talented, concerned troll, that she should not do all the sexualized stuff. Like, I don't know who's <laughs> going to vote for you after you shit on Beyonce, but good luck with that.
1: Guys, you know what time it is? This game time. <laughs> <laughs> So over it. Okay, <laughs> so this is what happened. <laughs> we started to play one game. It was way too fucking hard. Uh, nobody's getting anything right, and uh, it just wasn't working. So um, even though it was a well-constructed game, I had to call an audible and uh, proceed to the next game. And, uh, I had to do a lot of cold reading and that didn't work out too well. <laughs> and, um, I had to format problems and this and that and everything went wrong. So here we are. We're going to do it again. Yep. Going to toss out those questions you already heard. Yes. We're, so we're, th- we're right. three questions down. Yep. So instead of 39 questions, we now got 36. Yep. Everybody, we are playing meet cute. Yep. Meet cute, which was originally going to be a Valentine's day ish episode, but now it's today's episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, if you've been sitting on any kind of romantic game time ideas, submit them now, because it'll probably get used before Valentine's Day. All
1: right, so this is the fourth game time of the season. Standings are Tara 2, Sarah 1, guests 1. Today, we are playing Meet Cute, as I said, from Pizza... Carrie. Carrie, thank you. <laughs> Don't have the information in front of me. Yep. I always forget. Who earns herself an extra credit? <clears throat> uh, redeemable for an extra hot great topic of... Her choosing, and so does the person before this, uh, of course, that we didn't hear. Yep. (laughs) All right, so this is how it's going to play. I mean, this is how it's going to work. I am going to read you a meat cute scenario. It is from the point of view of a character from television. You're going to name the show. There is a hint that you can ask for, and that is one of the actors involved in this meat cute scenario. Two points for it without a hint. One point after the hint makes sense. And
4: and if we guess, do we still get to do we still get the hint,
1: or once we guess, it's burnt? Yeah, it's burnt. Okay, got it. So, all right, proceed. Let's throw it to Picky. We will start with Tara. All right, Tara. Then Nick. Then Sarah. Are we ready once again?
2: (laughs) For the last time. Yes. Yep. To play.
1: Meet Cute. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So
2: ready. I'm, I'm ready to meet cute <laughs> with this game.
1: Yeah. Tara. Yes. When my friend stood me up, mm-hmm. he was the bartender I went home with and who ended up fathering my baby and eventually becoming my husband.
2: Um, Hint.
1: All right. <laughs> Cynthia Nixon.
2: Sex in the what? City.
1: Correct. Okay. All right, Nick. For one point. I... Attempt in the legal department he worked in, but his Republican ideals turned me off. Years later we reconnected at my mother's funeral. Huh. Hint. Chris Messina is an actor involved here. Chris Messina. Um damages? Six, Six feet, feet under. under Oh. Yeah. Alright, here's your first one, Sarah. (laughs) Yes. After recovering from dental surgery, I discovered an entry for future husband in my phone, which led me to him. Thankfully, I ended up with a man who shares a name with a different 90s icon. Hint. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Of course, who we all know from Underworld.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's a very vampire non-vampire episode we're having.
1: Uh, <laughs> Any idea?
4: Masters of Sex.
1: <laughs> sure. I wish that was true. <clears throat> Tara?
2: It's 30 Rock.
1: It's 30 Rock. All right, Tara, here's your second. Yep. I was sent to investigate a rival high school in preparation for a competition. We're always going to competitions. And ended up falling for him.
2: Um, Glee?
1: That was a good guess, and that's worth two points. We're talking about uh, Chris Always Cole.
2: going to competitions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, Nick. I yep. repeatedly called his office to complain about a pothole in front of my house. One day he showed up to fix it himself, even though he was the director of the department. Oh, uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Yes, we're talking about Lucy Lawless's character and uh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, Nick Offerman. Okay. Back to Tara. Uh, no, to Sarah. Sarah. I was called in to investigate her for the murder of her parents. Later I helped her escape from a mental institution.
4: <laughs> wow. Escape from a mental institution hint. Ruth Wilson.
1: Ruth Wilson. Uh oh, yeah. Luther?
2: Nice. That's good for a point. Yep,
1: yeah, Ruther. AKA
2: <laughs> Mouthface is somebody that I follow on Twitter called her after she won the Golden Globe. Mouthface. <laughs> Mouthface won.
1: Mouthface. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now we're back to Tara. Yep. He's my father's third cousin once removed and came to our estate to claim his inheritance.
2: Um, I'm just going to take a stab that this is Game of Thrones. <clears throat>
1: Damn. Wow. Couldn't be further from it. What Uh, is it? uh, Actor involved, Dan Stevens. Oh, right. Downton Abbey. I don't
2: know that that's further from Game of Thrones. It could have been
1: further. It could have been like Central Park West or something. It could have been Community. Let me say this. They're not as polite on Game of Thrones about this.
2: That's true. (laughs)
1: Okay. Nick. Yep. I pitched her a pilot about nothing with my best friend. Seinfeld. Correct. All right. Uh, Sarah. Yep. I visited Duluth in search of answers about a crime and learned he had let the bad guy simply drive away. Fargo. Fargo, two points. Nice. All right. Nick, that means nope. Tara. Yes. I yep. met her at a narcotics anonymous meeting I was attending in order to find new people to whom I could sell. Breaking Bad. Correct.
2: That was a very cute meet, cute. Not cute.
1: Didn't end well. <laughs>
2: nope. Okay. No, it
1: did not. Nick. Yeah. I picked her roommate as the hottest in the freshman lookbook at college, but we but <clears throat> I went to hit but when I went to hit on the roommate, I ended up falling for her instead. I picked hmm. her roommate as the hottest in the freshman lookbook at college, but when I went to hit on the roommate, I ended up falling for her instead.
3: I'm going to take a 2 point guess, Felicity.
1: Tracy Polin Pollen. Polin Any any guesses after that? Family Ties? Yeah, Family Ties, correct Uh,
2: I like that guess though, Nick Okay,
3: Sarah
1: He rescued me from mannequins that came to life (laughs) Well, that could be anything
2: (laughs) Not
4: vampires? (laughs) Mannequins that came to life Uh, Hint
1: Christopher Eccleston
4: Christopher Eccleston. Oh, Eccleston, got it. Uh, Doctor Who. That's
1: good for a point. Nice, nice pickup.
5: Mm-hmm. All right, Tara. Yep.
1: He was the cousin of the leather-clad shark jumper who lives above my family's <laughs> garage. That's a he, nice. That's a nice phrasing.
2: He was the cousin. <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't matter who the person is. It's Happy Days.
1: Yes, we're talking about Chachi and Joni. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for for Happy Days. <laughs> for, uh... Okay, Nick. Yeah. She was assigned as my new partner in an attempt to discredit my work in the paranormal. The X Files. That's good for two. Mm -hmm. All right, number 15. And let's do a score break after this. Okay. For Sarah. Yep. I thought he was just the boy next door, but he's actually a ghost inhabiting the house into which my family just moved.
2: Oh, right.
5: Uh.
4: American Horror
2: Story. That's
1: good for two points.
2: Very close game. Not as close as the first game we tried to play. No, the first game was
1: very close, (laughs) as it was zero (laughs) to to (laughs) zero. zero. zero.
2: Our actual scores in this game, the real one that we are playing, are uh, Nick has six, Sarah has six, I have seven.
1: All right. Very, very close. Okay. So number 16, back to Tara. Yep. A chum introduced him to me at the morgue. I deduced his entire life story in 30 seconds.
2: Uh, Oh, uh, Sherlock.
1: That's good for two. That was uh, Watson and Holmes. Mm -hmm. Still a meat cute. Mm
2: -hmm. What do you mean still?
1: What's that? Still and forever. (laughs) Yes. I cut him down from a flagpole on the first day of school. Veronica Mars. (laughs) That's good for two points. Thank you, Picky. Sarah. (laughs) Yep. After I attempted to get a job at a bar, she offered to critique my resume and buy me a drink.
4: Hmm. Hint.
1: Uh Laura Prepon. She offered to critique uh.
4: my resume. Orange
2: is the new black? Nice. Wow. Good for Total a point.
1: Alright. Oh. Oh, we missed number 17. Oh, what was number 17 it's... by the way? Oh, yeah. Remind me? Spread eagle? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Tar Yep We were hit by lightning while doing community service But I didn't fall for him until his super version came back from the future Ooh, tough one
2: We were hit by lightning?
1: Yep Hint Antonia Thomas
2: Yep No idea (laughs) Oh Something British?
1: Yes, something British Mm. Misfits? Misfits? Yep Uh Okay, Nicholas.
2: You don't know that's his full name. Yeah,
1: but it I, is. I like. I
2: like oh, saying now full we know. Names.
3: That is my yes. official. Yeah. <laughs> Shut I, up, Tark. Go <laughs>
1: God, I wish. <laughs> okay. Um, I turned myself into the FBI year after years on the run, so that I could work with her because we have a mysterious shared past.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, this would be Neighborhood Watch, the series, aka the
1: Blacklist. <laughs> that's good for two. Nice call back. <laughs> Okay, Sarah. Yep. She was dating me, Hermano. She was dating <laughs> me, Hermano. Hint. Well, uh, Patricia Vasquez, Val. Velasquez. Thank you. I don't know. Anybody? Arrested, Arrested development. development. Yep. Arrested Development. Okay, Tara. Yep. I replaced the human resources representative at his office who ran off to Costa Rica. The office. Good for two. Nick. I was hanging out in the freezer while he, while he was buying milk. He left behind only a band aid with which to track him down. <laughs> oh. Uh, I need the handle, Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Oh, tough, um, tough hint! I'm gonna say. Yeah. Gonna House of Lies? Yeah. No. Good guess. Mm-hmm. He's gonna mislead you. I knew it. Uh, that's Bob's, Bob's Burgers. Burgers. Oh, was, uh, guest voice in that episode. Okay, so we are to Sarah. Mm-hmm. During one of my first days as a college student, I knocked a stack of books on his head in the bookstore.
4: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Nice. Two points.
1: Ah, yes. That's Buffy and uh, Riley. 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 Potato nose. Oh, Riley. All potato nose. <laughs> okay, uh, Tara? Yeah. He ran over my glasses with his hearse, but fortunately, I just had eye surgery and didn't need them any longer.
2: With his hearse. Hint.
1: Uh, 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 lost it? Okay, got it. Moreau Chambers. Monroe
2: Monroe Chambers. Chambers. Nope. I got
1: nothing. Mm. Ouch. Degrassi, The Next Generation. Ah, Oh, no. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, you got to turn in your Canada card. I
2: do. Uh, (laughs) Oh, no. Where's my passport going? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay, Nick. (laughs) I fell into his lap while singing karaoke and dislocated his nose with the microphone.
3: Oh, Oh, uh, Trophy Wife.
1: Trophy Wife is correct for two. All right, Sarah, bring us into our score break. I was sent to investigate the murder of the homecoming queen in the town where he was sheriff. Mm-hmm. I was sent to investigate the murder of the homecoming queen in the town where he was sheriff. And Kyle McLaughlin McLaughlin. Yeah. Oh, uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is good for one.
2: Still super duper close, you guys. Sarah has 10, I have 11, Nick has 12.
1: Whoa, alright. So everybody's got, I think, three left? Oh boy. Three questions left, so. Dun dun dun.
2: Exciting.
1: Okay, Tara. Yep. I bailed him out of jail in New Orleans after he got into a bar fight at a medical convention. Mm, and Hugh Laurie. House. Good for one. Good for one. Yep. Okay, Nick. I met him through a group interested in a cult co- cult comic book, and fell for him when we had to go on the run from mysterious forces. Either Heroes? you know this or you don't. I think. Heroes. Mm. Incorrect. That was Utopia.
2: British uh. British Utopia, yeah. the good one.
1: Yes, not the uh...
2: not the weird American
1: one. Okay, Sarah. Yep. I worked with him in a coal mine. But when he returned to town years later, we were on different sides of the law. Meet Cute from what show? Meet Cute from what show? i am
4: glad I went back and watched those first (laughs) episodes justified. Oh my god, we have a three-way
5: tie! All right.
1: (laughs) Okay.
2: It's exciting. (laughs) Did I just screw up the levels? Yes. Nope, you're
1: good. (laughs) Okay. She was the wife. Oh, sorry, wrong one. Okay, uh, we appeared together on the real world Sacramento.
2: Oh, happy endings!
1: Correct, Nick. She was the wife of the Poe obsessed serial killer I was tracking.
2: <laughs> picky, picky,
1: one off from what that should have who that should have mm-hmm. gone to. She was the wife of the Poe obsessed serial killer I was tracking. The following, that's good nice. for two. Oh. Okay, Sarah. Mm. I hired him as my live-in housekeeper. <laughs> I hired him as my live-in housekeeper. Hello. Meet, meet Cute.
4: Oh, did we I'm Sarah? sorry. I didn't hear any of that. No oh. problem.
1: I'll repeat that. Here's the scenario. I hired him as my live-in housekeeper. Hint. Judith Light... Oh, um, who's the boss? That's good for one. All right, here comes everybody's last question. OMG. Is this still anybody's game?
2: Well, Nick, yep. yes, yes. Okay. Sarah has 13, Nick and I are tied with 14.
1: Okay. Here we go. Exciting times. Yep. She came into my office. She came into my office thinking it was her new therapist's. She poured her heart out to me for an hour before I had the heart to tell her it was a mistake.
2: Oh, God. Hint.
1: Callista Flockhart.
2: Allie McBeal?
1: One point. One point. Okay. So what's our scores now?
2: 13 to, for Sarah, 14 for Nick, 15 for me.
1: All right. Nick. Oh, boy. Okay. She moved into the apartment below me in Minneapolis... And soon we became best friends, despite our differences. Oh, Minneapolis! Yeah, Minneapolis. <laughs>
3: Charlie's Angels.
1: <laughs> uh, I need the hint. Okay, your hint is—is is not going to help you though. Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> the Mary Tyler Moore Show. All right, that's good for one point. Okay, so what's our score now?
2: <laughs> Nick and I are tied with fifteen. Sarah has thirteen.
1: Okay, Sarah. <laughs> Yes, this is going to be interesting. Here's your meat, cute. (laughs) She arrested me when I first rose from the grave, but now we're trying to stop the apocalypse together. And Picky uh, rewards you for uh, missing the following by giving you this one. She arrested me when I first rose from the grave, but now we're trying to stop the apocalypse together. The apocalypse. All right,
4: well, I can't stay in this unless I guess right now, correct? Yeah. Scorekeeper. Correct. I really don't know what it's going to be, so let's try True Blood. Mm. Oh, Oh.
5: Sarah.
2: What is it? I don't know it either.
4: Sleepy Hollow.
2: Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, that's
4: a misstatement of what happened, but that's
1: fine. Okay. You
4: You all go ahead. I'll be over here in the dark.
1: Are they not trying to stop the apocalypse together? Was there a miss-
4: the, that wasn't the problem? He didn't really like rise from that. Whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, wait a sec. I mean, I think you would have mm. got a, a, a sleepy if the hollow question with yeah. yeah, right. It's her show. Can everybody agree? Yes. Okay, I can agree. That would make it a three-way tie. Correct? Yes. I think we could agree. Sarah would get it if that meet cute was was properly. described
2: correctly yeah. absolutely
4: should have gotten it and didn't
2: so nah, no, yeah. no 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 no, no, no. I'm, uh, Nick, I'm I'm fine giving her those points yeah, yeah, no, I'm good.
1: they're not mercy good. points they're,
2: no, making, they're legit correcting if, a mistake point. Well, because
3: sometimes the better you know the show the more likely you are to be tripped up if it's not it's exactly true. right
5: yes yeah, absolutely
2: true. okay alright so it's a three
1: way tie <laughs> so it's a three way tie
3: yes. holy
2: shit
1: First person to shout out the answer wins. Oh, God. Oh, I boy. don't want any answers until I'm done reading. Okay.
2: Okay, okay Alex.
1: Okay. The yep. last word of the clue is off, so you know when I'm done.
5: Okay. Right. <laughs> okay? Yes. So it's it's the fuck off
1: to last word until something. I finish the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. done reading. You guys, fuck
2: off. <laughs> for a United Empire loyalist in a DAR, you, you two are sure on the same page.
1: <laughs> okay. Ooh. Are we ready? Here comes a tiebreaker. Shout out when you know the answer after I finish. He was the lead detective at the Ram Shackle Detective Agency. I maintained as a tax write-off.
2: Remington Steele?
1: You're out. Oh! Nick and Sarah. Um, he was the lead detective at the Ram Oh, Sh- oh, oh. Uh, moonlighting. That's Yay! it. Nice.
5: <laughs> Valued guests. Valued guests.
8: Good job, Nick. Well,
1: I'm glad we got through oh, that. that. That was, was fun. Yeah, that was good. Oh, uh, apologies to everyone. our first game time. <laughs> Uh, author. I'll contact contact you by email and give you a little something extra yeah. for your troubles. Uh, apologies to our panelists today. That was really tough and <laughs> I probably should have it been able it to it tell. It well. Yeah, it did. Okay, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We produced the tin for the start of Justify's last season while Liv monkeyed around with the second episode of Face Off. And everyone considered how alike Sarah Bunting and Sarah D. Bunting were In last week's Downton Abbey. We went around the dial with stops at The Nightly Show, Togetherness, Wolf Hall, Better Call Saul, and Restaurant Startup. Nick unsuccessfully dipped into the Gilmore Girls well again for the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Nick, playing on behalf of the guests, was the winner of this week's Game Time. Remember. Guys. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: uh,
1: given that everything that happened i'm gonna take this episode as a success <laughs> i am david t cole and on behalf of tara ariano
2: your drink is disgusting
1: sarah d bunting <laughs> your drink is disgusting and nick Reinwell jones
2: what's the dar
1: <laughs> thanks for listening we'll see you next time right here on extra hot great
5: <sighs> Now the world don't know <laughs> the one right a <laughs> <be> <laughs> is born He's a to <laughs> Then along come two They got nothing but the genes but they
4: got... Different strokes
5: <laughs> <laughs> Different strokes
4: <laughs> <laughs> Different strokes
5: Everybody Everybody different strokes <laughs> different strokes
1: i've never seen you lose
2: oh it like that Tara. Oh i'm so weeping great. i love it so much <laughs>